0: In this episode of Solving Water, Xylem's Senior Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer, Tony Milando, gives us an insider's perspective on managing a global company's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. He shares his experiences and key takeaways one year after the World Health Organization classified COVID-19 as a global pandemic, as well as how Xylem is using that insight to drive business evolution in 2021 and beyond. Take a listen. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Amanda Holloway, host of Solving Water, a Xylem podcast, and I'm pleased to have Tony Milando, Senior Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer at Xylem here with me today to discuss what it's been like over the past year to serve on the front lines of managing a global water technology company during the coronavirus pandemic. Honored to have you on Solving Water, um, Tony, and, and to hear how you've helped Xylem navigate this unprecedented time in history,
1: yeah. Well, thanks, Amanda, for having me. Glad to be here.
0: And you've been with Xylem since 2015, and, and presumably you've seen a lot of positive changes occur during that time. Many of which you led. And you know, this sort of theme of optimism has been coming through a lot of um, my conversations on solving water this year, and and people just taking an optimistic view of the global water crisis, and then also um, related. Um, major issues like the pandemic. And so um, what stood out to you as the most positive change the company experienced in 2020? Um, Maybe not despite the pandemic, but because of it?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good good question. I think, um, you know, I think it'd be easy to point to remote working as a a positive change, but I don't know that that's been positive for everybody. And frankly, I'm not even sure that the, uh, the book's been completely written on that one yet. We're we're working remotely. I think it's been good in a lot of ways. I think there's been a lot of stress that comes along with that and it's impacted different people in different ways. Uh, so I'm not so sure, um, you know, that's, that I would call that necessarily positive, but we're certainly going to work more remotely post the pandemic. I think, uh, you know, one of the most positive changes is the acceleration of digital, uh, in our industry going from a nice to have component of our utility customer to a need to have. I mean, that to me has been one of the most positive changes. It's been a trend that we identified, um, you know, a while ago, it's been happening little by little pandemic, I think accelerated that trend. Uh, and, you know, the beauty of that is that really, you know, we've got a strategy around that, right. And how we bring uh, digital uh, literacy Uh, to our customers uh, through our strategy of consultative selling and uh, the internet of, uh, or the playbooks that we put together, our interoperable design. So, you know, all the things we've talked about in our strategy, I think position us well uh, going forward and it's something we saw coming. And I think the pandemic really accelerated that trend, which I think is a positive.
0: So when, 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 when it came down from the WHO that this was classified as a global pandemic and, and the world started shutting down last year, what was the first thing you did at Xylem in response?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, we have a, a predisposition to safety in the company. And, uh, and so that's really important to us. And I think it's, you know, it certainly plays its way into everything we do. So I, one of our first priorities was to make sure we knew everybody was uh, and that people were safe. And we spent a lot of time making sure that we understood where they were. I think it ex- it certainly exposed, um, you know, the lack of a notification system, an ability to escalate, you know, around the world very quickly. Uh, and Of course, that's what we'll, we're obviously working on that now. But, you know, our first focus went to how do we keep people safe? How do we make sure we know where they are? And we wanted to learn as much about the situation as possible. You know, at the time it was an epidemic and then it quickly became a a pandemic. Um, And we wanted to quickly identify, you know, who would be that authoritative governing body that would keep us informed. We we knew we weren't medical experts. Uh, We knew we couldn't make these decisions on our own. So we wanted to make sure that we connected with uh, World Health Organization and the CDC to make sure that we could get a constant feedback of information. Um, and we, we wanted to keep our facilities operating because we knew our customers depended on it. So it was first safety, uh, then it was knowledge. You know, how do we keep ourselves informed? And then it was making sure that our facilities stayed open and whatever we needed to do to do that was going to be important for us. And so that's where our focus immediately was once we, we started seeing some of the shutdowns that were taking place.
0: Yeah, for sure. I can't. I, I can't imagine the challenges that. I mean, you would have encountered. Just you're saying, you know, first it started as an epidemic, then to a pandemic, and I mean, the story is still changing on COVID, and here we are a year later. So that that must have been a, a tall order for you.
1: That was interesting. We, did, you know, we did. I didn't realize how much how little I knew about hand hygiene and. Um, you know, what goes into hand sanitizer and the different types of PPE and got to know plexiglass very good. You know, I mean, these are things that we would never, we were never really thinking about. Uh, so it really, it was really like, a, a crash course in, uh, in safety hygiene within a pandemic. And, uh, many days it was like whack-a-mole. I mean, there was things popping up all over the place, whether it was, you know, Italy coming very close to shutting down to, uh, India. Uh, the Philippines and it just seemed to you know move its way uh around the globe um you know the, I think the thing that was you know fortunate or not fortunate for us is that it, it did happen in China first and you know we have a great team in China I can't say enough good things about the team we have under Shu Ping Lu and um you know just just their dedication and commitment but we learned so much from their response and that you know, in some ways gave us a bit of a head start to start to formulate our plan. So a lot of what we did really, you know, was, was tailored after what they did in China in many ways. And so that really helped a lot.
0: That's good. That's good insight. Um, We talked a little bit about um, some of the challenges and how ever changing that they are. Um, But one. does, is there one that particularly stands out to you that Xylem faced, you know, as a result of the pandemic?
1: Well, you know, I think, the the, the listen, at, at the end of the day, um, as I mentioned earlier, staying safe is important, but then serving our customer is kind of a very close second. And so when we start to break down how that really needed to happen, it starts with the demand side of things. How do we, you know, how close are we to our customers? Are they even working? Are they, are they operating? What did they need? How can we help them? Um, and so we spent, early on, our teams around the world spent time uh, connecting with our customers uh, on a very regular basis to understand what their challenges were, trying to understand what they needed, and then feeding that into our operation on how we could best serve that. We, we immediately turned to our suppliers um and tried to give them the best signals that we had on demand and of course they're all going through exactly the same thing i think this is the most uh unique thing about this it wasn't like we had a supplier problem or we had a product that was discontinued or we had one factory that had been shut down this was the entire economy suppliers customers us all being impacted at the same time and so So we spent time with the customers, we spent time with our suppliers, and then we also spent time internally, um, you know, making sure that we could social distance, PPE, hand sanitizer, um, staggered shifts, temperature checking, you know, all the things that we've talked about all year, um, every element of the supply chain had to be addressed. And so when, when you ask what the biggest one, one of the biggest challenges was, how do you keep that open? Uh, and it really was, it, it was really a village. It, it's every part of our corporation, you know, pitched in to help. It was, you know, our frontline folks, you know, making sure that uh, we're servicing uh, the right parts of the uh, um, the commercial landscape in the right way and in a safe way. It's, you know, it was, it was our sales folks working closely with our customers. It was, you know, our supply chain folks making sure we could continue to deliver, purchasing people, working with uh, supply, engineers. Engineers developing alternative, you know, PPE like the shields and things like that that we did. So there was a, you know, really was a lot going on. But I'd say you know, just keeping the supply chain running took you know a large portion of the corporation to to do that. That was probably one of the biggest challenges that we faced.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I often catch myself forgetting that when you think of a frontline or essential workers, you think of folks that are, you know, in the hospitals, caregivers. Healthcare providers, but our industry in general are full of essential workers, right? Water treatment plant operators, wastewater treatment plant operators, utilities, all that good stuff. And then in turn, because we supply these essential workers, we're an essential business too. So that's, I I have to remind myself of that, just how complex that must have been. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm guessing there's some, some key learnings that kind of came out of that whole process, um, over the last year. And, um, do you have a few, uh, a few takeaways
1: for me personally? I mean, I, and I think I speak for maybe a lot of folks that, that work remotely, you know, it was, it was being a bit more personal, uh, purposeful around, you know, the cadence of meetings and interactions and, you know, how we, uh, you, you know, you don't, you won't just bump into people anymore. Obviously you have to schedule those engagements Uh, So really working remotely was, was one of the big learnings for a lot of us. Um, But I think, you know, probably the single biggest learning for me, and, and uh, I've, I've said this a few times is uh, I'm amazed at how adaptive people are to change when there is a singular focus uh, and a common purpose. And it's, and it's very clear. I mean, there's, it's a real lesson to me when I think about, you know, we, we basically put. I don't know. I'm going to guess, but it's probably 40 to 50% of our workforce went remote in a matter of weeks. Um, if we would have sat down and said, you know what, let's put 40 or 50% of our people remotely, you know, and tried to plan that out, I bet it would have taken years. Um, and so you you kind of sit back and think about how did that happen? Why, Why did that happen? Well, how can we possibly make, well, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, um, we we knew we wanted to stay, we needed to stay safe. It was a humanitarian issue. We knew that we needed to keep the business running. Okay. Uh, Because we had essential customers that are serving the communities that we had to keep running. And so the, the objective was clear. Uh, People knew their roles and they just did what came natural to them. Um, And it's a real great lesson in lean in the sense that you, in Lean, we always talk about keeping the customer focus in everything we do. You want to remove waste, things that the customer won't pay for. Well, I can guarantee you there probably wasn't a lot of waste that happened over the last year. Everything we did was essential because we had no other choice. Um, and so when I think about what, what my learning was, and I think what we learned, is that we can, we can enact extreme change very quickly uh, when, when there's a singular purpose and a common goal. Um, and so that uh, to me, that was one of the biggest lessons over the last year.
0: That's great. Anything else aside from, you know, the the fact that we could all pull together and just like this major shift of remote working. Any other like um takeaways that, you know, might impact our business going forward or you see changing how the way we do things here at Sylum um just based on sort of this situation we found ourselves in?
1: Yeah, I mean absolutely. I think um you know, we found um, that, you know, we do a lot of witness testing where we bring customers into our facilities to take a look at our products uh, physically, and, and we, we needed to do those remotely, and that's become part of our offering now is remote witness testing. Um, that'll stay with us for forever now, right? I think, you know, we, even at the corporate level, we started doing um, our board meetings, the board of directors virtually. Um, I suspect as we, you know, post pandemic, we're going to have at least one, maybe two of those board meetings continue to be virtual. It's, it's an incredible amount of time, time to be saved. I think we found that we don't need to be at the suppliers four or five times a year. We can do something less than that. You know, same thing with customers. So I think, I think the notion of having to get together and meet uh, and, you know, be physical, I don't think goes away, but it certainly is going to be reduced. And I think that's going to bring much more efficiency. Uh, I think it'll reduce the stress level of travel um, and, you know, bring, you know, more value added time to us. And to me, that's a, that's a huge change going forward Uh, that, you know, I think was happening. Um, I think as we look at our, our workplaces, they take on a different uh, notion. I think, I think, you know, we all worked in an office and when we wanted to really have an important meeting, we went offsite. Well, I think, I think if we really want to have an important meeting, we're going to all come on site right? and have it at the <laughs> yeah. office. Uh, and so I think that there's, that's a, that's a bit of a, a change in thinking, but you know, those are, I think there's going to be a whole new way of working, you know, in office, in offices as we move forward. So, and we've worked on that. We've talked about a permanent remote working uh, program that we're uh, developing and that we will, Communicate, you know, as we get closer to the point of, okay, now we're ready to reopen, which, which really, which really is our next thing on our agenda is, is now, you know, the the COVID response team is really talking a lot about how do we, in an organized way, reopen once we reach this quote unquote herd immunity and, and things are, you know, safer to come back into the office.
0: Yeah. So can you tell me more about this phase because you know the obviously the pandemic. Looks so different now than it did a year ago, but we're still waiting for things to unfold. And I think we can all agree that um, there there is going to be a new way of life. I don't know if this, the new normal is the right terminology, but um, but there's going to be a new way of doing things at kind of all different levels and all different places of society. So, you know, what can you tell me about this next phase we're entering into?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, the uh, just taking a step back for kind of where we are in the pandemic, uh, we have about 780 of our colleagues that have um, been impacted with COVID. Um, I believe it's 721 that are recovered. So we have about 39 or so that are that we're still monitoring. That's kind of the lowest open case rate that we've had since early October. So it, it was the gap at one point it was well over a hundred people. Um, and so that's a good thing. Uh, so the ca- cases are coming down, recoveries are going up. Um, that's a good thing. The vaccines are all being distributed and getting in people's arms. Um, depending on where you are in the world, the U.S., they're saying they can reach the point where most adults are going to be vaccinated by May. Uh, in the U.S., um, in some countries that can be years, not months. It's going to depend on the amount of vaccinations that get out there. So you're going to have a, a large differential on herd immunity around the world, depending on where you are. Uh, and so you can imagine there's not going to be a one size fits all return to work because of that. It's highly variable. Uh, and so what we did is we created vac- what we call, we call them vaccine teams for lack of a better term. And we have four of these vaccine teams we have one in the emerging markets, one in Europe, one in Latin America, and one in the U.S. Um, and that's in our FAQ if you want to find out who's running those. But the idea is that we're now taking what was the COVID response team, a central team, and we're distributing the authority of that team to more local, to localize it, because we recognize that the return to work is going to be very different or at a different pace uh, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, and so things like how, how quickly we all go back into the office. Uh, you know, an example would be you know, in Australia uh, where they've had very low case rates over the last three or four months. Um, they're, they're, quote unquote, in phase two almost at this stage where they have about 50% of their employees back in the office uh, because of the low case rate there. Um, and so there's, there's a phased return and that's something that we'll manage through these vaccine teams. Um, they'll, before you can return, there's a whole protocol within the office. Uh, I happened to be in the Rybrook office this past weekend. Um, I happened to be up in New York visiting my son in, in college, and I decided to go into the office. I hadn't been there in a year. And uh, the team there has done a great job under Carol and uh, Clark to really lay out, you know, uh, the, the the traffic pattern, Um, the conference room area, uh, just signage everywhere. And and these are the, this is the preparedness that we need to go through air filtration, the air quality, all these things are are the things that need that we need to go through in each building before we can allow people to go back into the office. And then it's going to be, you know, going through group by group, um, you know, who really needs to be in the office to get, to be effective and who, doesn't need to be in there and the folks that really don't need to be in there, um, do they want to work remotely and how, how remote do they want to be? Do, do they want to be, you know, coming in one, you know, when needed, or is it this hoteling concept where you come in, you know, two days a week, uh, something like that, or you come in full time. So that whole exercise, you know, as you can imagine, is going to take you know, a bit of time to do. And so that's, that's, another part of the reopening process. So those are all the pieces that we're working through. And then there's the, you know, if you're going to work from home, well, how do you set up an effective workplace long-term? How do you get reimbursed for certain types of expenses? And, um, how do you manage remote employees? You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of protocol that we're developing right now, that will also be part of the, the policy as we, as we roll it out. So we're prepared. We're, will we'll be ready when the time's right. But, um, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, not being physical, uh, physically present for over a year to be in a room with somebody is going to be a little awkward. I think at first.
0: <laughs> no <laughs> but, doubt. No know, doubt.
1: In some ways, it'll be like it'll be like starting a new job, but it, it will be interesting. I'm looking yeah, forward I, to it. By the way. <laughs> yeah,
0: me too. Well, it's kind of like that whole they're saying about like handshakes and hugs, right? Like,
1: especially right.
0: I know it's different by culture, also, but you know, it's still so knee jerk to want to go and shake somebody's hand when you meet them or give you know friends and family hugs when you when you say goodbye. And now <laughs> you have to like Absolutely. triple think it and it's it is it's awkward. It's you do that little dance <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple more questions for you, Tony. Um curious if we had uh, what maybe some of the policies or programs that we had already in place that actually really helped us when The shutdown occurred.
1: Um, Well, I mean, I think you know, we we were developing a crisis response plan um, just before the shutdown. In fact, we were weeks away from you know presenting it to the SLT and rolling it out. Uh, And so instead of doing that, we we got to play with live ammunition here because we went right into using it. You know, (laughs) Uh, and um, and I think that you know obviously that had a framework in it that helped us get organized pretty quickly. Um, and, and that was, that, that was, I'd call that a policy that was somewhat in place that at least gave us a framework. Now we, we had to learn precisely what we needed to do, but it it allowed us to, you know, know that we needed to create a a team who needed to be on that team. So we identified a kind of a workforce protection component. We identified a communications component, social value component, all these different elements, we assembled this team and, uh, and we, you know, we started meeting, uh, twice a day for a while, uh, because things were moving so quickly. Now we're back to once a week at this stage, but, um, but it was, it was pretty, um, hair raising for a while there because, you know, we were getting so so much different input. We didn't really know how to react. And so we had to meet in the morning and the afternoon to figure out if we needed to change what we did this, you know, what we decided six hours earlier, um, based on what we heard and saw. But I think, you know, I think that was probably the biggest policy that was in place. Now we have a lot of elements of our company that I think got tested, like our uh, employee assistance program, you know, mental health is probably one of the most, um, I won't say misunderstood areas, but it, it's certainly an area that is, um, is not quite as you know visible as, as physical health, right. Obviously. And, uh, and I think, you know, when we first got into it, that wasn't top of mind, but it was a policy that we had in place. And, um, you know, as we, we heard more from folks, we did some, we did an active listening session, a couple of them in the fall. We're going to do more here at the end of this month. And we really heard the stress in people's voices, um, you know, particularly working, uh, parents. And uh, frankly, because the caregiver tends to be Uh, the mom, the female, a lot of moms, interesting we're talking about this on International Women's Day, but it's, it really is, it really is a a real issue. And so uh, employee, our employee assistance program, we, 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 I'd say we sharpened the focus a little bit there, but it was in place and having that facility in place was very helpful. Um, And so I think, you know, we have had, you know, prior to the pandemic, we had about a thousand people that were working remotely, already you know sales folks and folks like that so there was already um an understanding of how to set people up remotely and so you know John Keough and the IT team did a great job at at really kind of I'd say supercharging that policy or that practice to allow you know almost 10 times you know at least seven or eight times that number to work remotely so there were some things that were in place that helped us uh get started so we weren't starting from zero necessarily but uh Uh, But we certainly had to sharpen the focus on a number of those.
0: Oh, that's great. Yes, uh, it is pretty great that you're able to mention that on International Women's Day. I should have said something in the beginning about that, but (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Um, Anything else you want to say about your role in Xylem's overall pandemic response or just how the pandemic maybe changed you personally or the personal impact it had on you?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I think as I, as I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I'm, I'm inspired. I really am inspired by, um, just the general goodness in people wanting to do the right thing. I mean, I, you know, people come out in droves to help toward, for this pandemic, you know, whether you're a frontline worker, uh, whether you're one of our, service technicians, whether one of our folks in the factory, there's been so many, there's countless stories in our company of people just wanting to help others. And, um, and so that's really touched me personally uh, and, and really um, just further about val- one more piece of validation why I'm here. You know, I mean, I, you know, I came to this company because of the sustainability mission and, uh, and it's certainly a sustainability, with a big S, not a, you know, not a small S for sure. And, you know, we have, we have work to do. We, we know that, but I, but I think we're so far ahead of so many other uh, companies uh, and it has really everything to do with the, the, the type of people we have here. And I think to me that was, you know, again, that, that really shown true loud and clear through this uh, pandemic.
0: Uh, It's a great lead into my last question, which is actually um, a question that I ask every guest that we have on solving water. Um, And You know, you have a fantastic background with world-class companies, including Stanley Black & Decker, Um, but in terms of the water business, what's the most important thing you've learned so far?
1: Um, (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, I I never really worried about keeping the water running while I was, you know, putting dishes in the dishwasher or brushing my teeth or anything like that, but it is top of mind. And it's top of mind for my family. So you become much more attuned to uh, the finiteness of water. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it, is, it is such a, um, you know, interesting dichotomy that we have around the world uh, where, you know, we're fortunate enough to have access to it. Uh, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just much more aware today than I was six years ago uh, around some of the struggles that we have in different parts of the world, you know, and even here in the U.S., but, but some of the um, emerging markets um, and, and the struggles they go through just to get clean water uh, is amazing. And so, you know, I kind of knew what this company was about when I came, but, man, there was so much more I learned over the last six years that, that just really opened my eyes to uh, to what we can really truly do. And, and, you know, not to, not to steal a, a, a note from my boss, but we really do have an opportunity of a lifetime in front of us, you know? And I, and I think um, for those who are joining the company, you came to the right place for sure. I know I did six years ago. And, uh, and so I'm, you know, anyway, I don't want to keep rambling on and on, but you know, I, I thought it was, you know, I I'm really appreciative to the work we do and much more so now than I was when I first joined.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely something I can agree with just uh, I've been with asylum about uh oh gosh I guess eight years <laughs> almost <Okay. laughs> um but same same thing here right like just you kind of just go through your day and now everything you think about it's like especially you know when the when the pandemic first happened I remember um my first thought was about, <laughs> Wastewater systems and how, like especially in the U.S., we had that sh- toilet paper shortage and what is this going to do to our infrastructure? And like, if that would have been me prior to working at silo <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure I would have just been focused on the actual uh, coronavirus instead of what <laughs> what the state of water infrastructure was. But you know, um, yeah, that's how it goes. And expand so. your aperture. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um. Just want to thank you for joining us today, Tony, and sharing some really great stories of resilience and growth across the company. Um, Your leadership is very much appreciated and will continue to be essential to our success as we move into this new way of living. For more information about Xylem's COVID-19 response efforts over the past year, click the link in the show notes. Contact me directly at amanda.holloway at xylem.com with show ideas, feedback, or to be a guest. Thanks again.